The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. To connect with Empirical Investing Radio, please call 1-866-472-5790. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life. Good afternoon and welcome to Empirical Investing Radio. This is Ken Smith. Your host of Empirical Investing Radio on this October 31st, 2013. Happy Halloween to everyone. Today joining me in the studio, I have Eric Lair, our Director of Research at uh, our wealth management firm, Empirical Wealth Management. Good afternoon, Eric. Hey, Ken. Thanks for joining me. I think Ethan may pop in at some point uh, throughout the day. If not, we'll keep hard charging as usual. This show is designed to share with you prudent investing and financial planning ideas our objective here is to help you make smarter financial decisions, a lifetime if possible, of smarter financial decisions to help you keep and preserve the capital that you've worked hard to uh, to earn. We do that by sharing uh, ideas around investing, financial planning, general wealth issues that we all face as we're trying to uh, maintain our, hopefully maintain our financial independence. If you have any uh, ideas you want to share throughout the show or any questions about any type of financial planning issue, if we do not handle them today, you can always um, give them to us and we'll research it and get back to you on a previous show or call you directly. But if you do want to chime in throughout the show, you can call 1-800. You can call 1-866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, and they'll punch you through. Otherwise, you can shoot us an email, and that email address is contact at empiradio.com, contact at empiradio.com. And uh, you can reach us here at the firm if you are an individual investor out there and um, you'd like to put together a sound retirement and financial plan and marry that to a well-thought-out investment plan. Do that with an advisor that is a fee-only advisor, no commission or any of that kind of stuff. That's what we do, and we help people all over the country. So you can reach us here anytime, 1-800-923-4307 at Empirical, and we'll get you connected to the right person. You can shoot me an email directly anytime throughout the week, ksmith at empirical.net, E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L.net, ksmith. Eric, I thought uh, we could talk about an article I just was reading, some information that we could start the show off, just talking a little bit about college uh, planning for education and for college, whether you're planning it for yourself or for your kids you currently have or kids you may want to have in the future. There's some uh, 
techniques that you can utilize. And uh, what what uh, what I was reading, Eric, is the um, it's just an update from it's called the Trends in Higher Education series, and uh, the, the College Board released new college cost figures. Um, and uh, there's you can go directly to their webpage and download. The full report, which is pretty interesting. I was just reading through it. I thought we could hit some of the highlights here, but the, the webpage, you can go to trends.collegeboard.org, trends.collegeboard.org, and get the full 40-page uh, report. And uh, But some of the, some of the key uh, numbers that have come in, if we look at public colleges for in-state students, Tuition and fees increased an average of 2.9% to $8,893 on average. Kevin, is, is that a annual or on a uh, that's, basis? Or? Um, the annual rate increase, okay. so uh, yeah. So it be for 2013-14 um, over last year, the previous year's report. Mm-hmm. Room and board increased an average of 3.6% to $9,498. Uh, the total cost of attendance then for 2013-14 is $22,826. And then again, that's for public colleges, uh, in-state tuition. Um, public colleges out of state uh, students, tuition and fees increased an average of 3.1% to $22,203. And room and board increased an average of 3.6 to 94.98. Same thing. So the total cost, um, estimated cost of attendance, again 2013-14, uh, for public colleges out of state is 36,136. And uh, for private colleges, I just thought we'd hit these three areas and then kind of sure. dive into some other um, discussion around how how you might get a handle on planning for this college uh, I know I have two little girls that I've been it's been on my mind from the day each of them were born and I've been doing everything I can to be ahead of the curve and planning for that and I thought I'd share some of the some of the ideas and techniques that, that I'm using that we recommend for our clients and and how that uh, how things are evolving so private colleges uh, tuition and, and fees increased an average of 3.8 percent so higher than than the uh, public colleges and room and board on average in those in at those pub, private colleges ten thousand eight twenty three. So the average total cost of attendance um, two thousand thirteen fourteen is forty four thousand seven hundred fifty dollars uh, per year. That's, that's a lot of money. Pretty expensive. The positive on it, however, was those increases are substantially lower than the historical average increase. Um, so some of the lower inflation rates and, and some of the steps that, um, on average, uh, colleges are taking to keep the cost down have, you know, in the last year kept that lower. I think the longer term average in the report is closer to five plus percent per year, and um, in an increase in college expenses, and that's been uh, higher than the average rate of general tuition. Um, and I was just looking at the in the report. It says the 2.9 percent in state tuition and fees at a public four-year in the 2013-14 followed increases of 4.5 percent for 2012-13 and 8.5 percent increase in 2011-12. Uh, 
So substantially lower, and it says it was the smallest percentage increase in over 30 years. Yeah, I think that that 8% number is incredible, especially when you think about what inflation was that year, which was, I, I don't know exactly, but probably 2%. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's a huge you know, cost increase over inflation. The So the positive is that, you know, relative to the long-term historical rate, it's less, but the negative is that um, the amount of grant funds that were received went down. So um, while the cost didn't go up as much as it has recently and in over longer periods of time, um, so did the average amount of uh, assistance that students were receiving. So about two-thirds of full-time students pay for college with the assistance of grant aid. Many receive federal tax credits and deductions to help cover the expenses. So there's a lot of variation among schools, clearly, and the different options, particularly now with a lot of online, um, the, the option to do a lot of online universities as well. Right. And I think that will continue to evolve anytime a particular segment, um, and particularly if there's any private capital uh, put into these things where competition can be put in place, um, that would that would help keep those costs down going forward. But still something I would take very seriously, and we recommend that our clients um, approach the way they save for, the, for their college uh, expenses for their children or grandchildren or other family members, um, that they treat that as a, as a separate and distinct and unique objective, that they know the various uh, tax rules, the various vehicles that can be utilized, um, not just on an income tax basis, but on estate planning, income tax, credit protection, all of those things, and that they they optimize they optimize that that plan to to allocate those funds. And um, one of the things I was going to say, Eric, on that tuition discussion, Vanguard, one of the bigger no load mutual fund companies, has uh, over the years put some pretty pretty cool tools um, there's tons if you just google college savings and college you'll get thousands of, of links to different um, different tools but one of the things I've uh, liked about the way that Vanguard did run their tool is if you go onto their if you just google Vanguard college savings um, they have a, a, a tool and when you run it it's very quick very easy and I'll just give you an example I um before you got in here, Eric, I, I ran it for Harvard. So if you had a one-year-old child and um, they're going to start college in 17 years, you can pick a, a specific university on their on their tool. And I'll tell you, right now, um, the estimated annual cost in today's dollars is $54,496 for Harvard. So the report... Uh, from the college board said forty four thousand seven fifty on average for private, but Harvard's fifty, almost fifty five thousand. So the projected cost is six hundred and forty one thousand nine hundred and fifty four dollars in um, future dollars, which is pretty big. That's pretty a lot big of chunk. Um, so if you were going to cover a hundred percent of that, if if that's how you wanted to plan around you know, your college savings, you would uh, need to save about fifteen hundred dollars a month. Um, for a total of, uh, depending on the, the growth rate that you utilized, we'll talk about that. I think we'll, after we take a break, we'll get into that. Hey, what, what a reasonable 
assumptions, but um, here in their tool it defaults to a, a 5% hypothetical rate of return. Now, hopefully over the, over the next 17, 18 years we, we'd be able to do a little better than that, but I think they're, they're trying to be conservative um, in how they view that. But yeah, you, you need to save somewhere between fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars $1,600 per year to get that, or you need to put about $232,000 aside today to let it grow at 5% to get to that $641,000. So it's a pretty big, pretty big nut to crack. And so you certainly want to take, again, advantage of um, every opportunity to minimize the amount of strain that puts on you financially. And so there are a few different levers that you can do. One would be to save taxes. One would be to increase the, the return over that, that 5%. Um, and that would be separate from any planning you would do around um, you know, how, you, how you might be able to get some aid or a scholarship or something like that. But um, what do we got on time, Elliot? We've about one minute, okay. Um, but I would, I would recommend you go to that tool if you wanted to. Uh, the nice part about that Vanguard page is that you can just pick any college you want. And so if you, particularly if you're getting closer and you already know your child is going to want to go to a specific school, it really does. And it's kind of a fun exercise to do you know, with your significant other and when you're planning out your child's future education. It, be able to, it makes it more real when you're actually picking a particular school than just, hey, someday they're going to go somewhere. So it's kind of fun. Sure. Let's take a quick break and uh, we'll continue our discussion here on saving for college and education planning on Empirical Investing Radio. Be right back with uh, Eric and Ken. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P. I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S dot com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Did you ever stop to think that financial health can be a lot like physical health? The financial physician, Luz Katigna, has helped people on the radio for nearly 15 years. And now he's part of the Voice America Business Channel. By using medical analogies to discuss financial solutions, Lou actually makes the process easier to understand and will help you chart your own financial fitness. Tune in to The Financial Physician, live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, and on demand anytime on the Voice America Business Channel. 
We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right. Welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio. This is Ken Smith. Certified Financial Planner and host of Empirical Investing Radio. And I'm joined today by our Director of Research, Eric Lair. And uh, we are talking today about a little bit about the uh, report that was just published from the College Board um, on new college cost figures. And I went over the current estimated costs for 2013-14 for different Colleges in and out of state public and also private colleges. And then we were talking about the tool that's available on Vanguard's website. It's pretty fun to use because you can plug in uh, any college you want and it gives you the estimate. And we were saying that, you know, to go to Harvard, if you had a one year old, um, little baby right now. Is that Ethan? Did, he, did Ethan join us? <laughs> he swung by for a minute. <laughs> he loves kids. Um, but if you do have that one-year-old, you're talking about uh, six hundred and forty thousand dollars total cost, uh, somewhere in that range, for four years uh, to attend. So you need to save a pretty good chunk of dough to um, to make that dream happen. And there are a variety of ways to do that. Um, you could. Simply open an account in your own name and start plugging money into that account and, and selecting some investments. Um, you could open up what's called a custodial account, and um, where that is typically opened uh, with the parent or the adult as the, the guardian or the custodian. On behalf of the minor, and the minor really has a, a legal interest in that account, and um, there's some slight tax benefits and that the interest in dividends and gains that are incurred in that account um, are taxed at the miners rate and um, but some of the downside on that is that theoretically you are making an irrevocable gift to that miner and it should become theirs at the age of majority in different states between age 18 and 21 um, the miner whether they go to college or not would have the right to come in and and claim those assets, whatever they built up to. So in some cases, just keeping it in a regular account in your own name may be, afford you more flexibility, but you don't get all the tax advantages, income or state advantages there. Uh, there is what's called an educational IRA, Coverdale IRA. allows you to put a smaller amount, a couple thousand dollars a year to uh, in, and uh, as long as the funds are used for... Um, Qualified education expenses, they can be withdrawn tax-free. Big problem with that is that it's really not enough to cover what we just talked about. Um, if you need to put $1,500 a 
a month into a something, um, that's not gonna that's not gonna do it. But it could be used in tandem with a variety of of other tools. And um, we haven't even talked about graduate school, and if that's something that you're as a parent interested in covering. And I know a lot of parents have a lot of different attitudes about it. Some people, parents believe that 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 the student that the child should pay for their own college. Maybe they take student loans or they do get grants or they earn scholarships or they just pay for it. They work through college. Other parents have a desire to completely fund education and I think that's all great. It's just knowing what you want to do and planning it out. And another tool, Eric, that is commonly discussed, particularly in in the investment advisory world, are these 529 or qualified education plans and those can take a couple of different forms. One form is, you know, each state has their ability to set up their own plan or multiple plans. And sometimes they come in the past as prepaid tuition programs. That uh, the return of that of the uh, basically the investment function of that account is tied to tuition increases and not so much to stock and bond markets. Other plans that are um, five two nine plans, or what they call qualified tuition programs, are money gets deposited and you are then the return you get is a function of the investments that you select within the plan. Most plans have a limited number, not an unlimited. Typically, you cannot go in and day trade individual stocks. Within those plans, there's a preset number of diversified mutual fund options that you have. And or pooled investments, you can take tracks from aggressive to conservative that do all the investing for you and adjust automatically as the targeted distribution date gets near, becoming more and more conservative as time passes. Um, And I think those are great uh, options for someone who really isn't interested in, in tracking closely the investments and adjusting them on their own. But because you may have different plans for that, that particular plan um, or time horizons, uh, you know, you, you can look at either one. I think these are great plans, by the way, because in the five two nine plans, when you do make a qualified distribution, I thought we could talk a little bit about. You know, I get a lot of questions about that, Eric, and I've got the IRS publication right here. Thought we could talk a little bit about that. What what is that? Uh, what is a qualified distribution? And another question I commonly get is, well, what if the the child that I select or set up this a particular plan for decides not to go to college or they get a scholarship or something else and they don't use all the funds. And so what happens then? Well, you can change the beneficiary um, or you can make an unqualified uh, withdrawal out of the account and pay some taxes. Right. So I thought we could talk a little bit about all of that. And so let me go over to the, the publication there um, and... First thing, let's talk about what a qualified distribution is. And qualified distributions then are tax-free and penalty-free as long as the amount that you're pulling out each year is less than the designated beneficiary's qualified education expense. And what is a qualified education expense? Well, those expenses generally include some of the following, and I'm going to list a few. Uh, Expenses required for the beneficiary's enrollment and attendance at the eligible school Eligible schools include colleges, universities, vocational schools, accredited post-secondary educational institutions um, that are all eligible to participate in a student aid program administered by the Department of Education. 
Tuition and fees are qualified education expenses. Books, supplies, and equipment. And I think that's pretty interesting because now you're getting into supplies and equipment. Um, academic tutoring is a qualified education expense, uh, which I think maybe a lot of people wouldn't have thought that that would qualify to utilize this fund. So we talked about the general cost, but if you can utilize it for these other areas, that's pretty exciting. Don't worry about the uh, police situation downstairs. <laughs> I got it taken care of. Uh, room and board. Eric, room and board could be a qualified education expense. Um, and that, that that definitely gives you some options if you've overfunded the plan and where they decide to stay. Um, uniforms, you never know, you know how that's going to work out. Transportation and expenses of special needs beneficiaries uh, that are necessary for that person's enrollment or attendance at an, el- at an eligible education uh, educational institution. So that's that's a pretty flexible and wide array of uh, expenses that can be categorized as qualified to get that tax-free treatment. Um, and as long as in any particular year when you're, when you're incurring these expenses, the amount that you distribute out of your plan is less than, than those qualified expenses, equal to or less, you're not going to have a tax on any of the money that you've put into the plan or on any of the, the gains that you've uh, received along the way. And that's the part I thought now we could hop over to that. What do you think? You want to talk about it? All sounds good. All right, well, let's take a small sound break here. Never mind. Oh, there we go. <laughs> oh the Rugrats back. Um, if we go over to publication 970 in the IRS table, I know it's exciting stuff. I'm trying to make it as painless yeah. as possible. That's important stuff, though. <laughs> um. When we talk about um, the uh, the um, what were we talking about, Eric, the beneficiary, or the was I going to talk about the uh, the taxation of you were talking about the taxation the taxation okay. if if you are going to um, look at it on a taxable part, if you if you had if you took money out, um, you you will pay tax on the uh, amount of growth in the account um, that uh, incurred. So, if you put ten thousand dollars into a plan and it grew to eleven thousand, and you took all eleven thousand out, there's a thousand dollars of growth there. And if you used it, um, if you took all eleven thousand and didn't use any of it for college, right, you would have a tax on the one thousand dollars worth of growth that would get added to your ordinary taxable income. Um, that you'd have to have to deal with, so there would also be a ten percent penalty um, incurred for not utilizing that, um, you know, for a qualified distribution. Real quick, before we go too deep into that, I want to I wanted to bounce over to the um, to the uh, what is a, a qualified beneficiary? Who, what can you put in? Um, who, who can you put these accounts for? So the designated beneficiary is generally the student or future student for whom the qualified tuition program is intended to provide benefits. The designated beneficiary can be changed, and that's what's unique about these plans, can be changed after participation in the QTP begins. If a state or local government or certain tax-exempt organization uh, purchase an interest in the QTP as part of a scholarship program, 
the designated beneficiary is the person who receives the interest as a scholarship. And the the uh, in terms of changing the beneficiary, I'm pulling up this here, um, you can roll over excess amounts. It says assets can be rolled over from one qualified plan to another, and in addition, the qualified, uh, the designated beneficiary can be changed without transferring accounts. Any amount distributed from the qualified tuition plan is not taxable if it's rolled to another for the benefit of the same or for the benefit of a member of the beneficiary's family. And that's the part I wanted to get to is because I get that question a lot. Who are, who, who are, who can I change the beneficiary to and still keep it in a qualified? We're going to have to take a quick break. So when we come back, we'll start with that. Um, we'll be right back on Empirical Investing Radio. To you, Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S dot com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Are you a decision maker in your organization, a mid-level manager, or a team member? Stepping Stones to Everyday Success with host Kimberly Stewart is a program designed to provide you with tidbits and tools you need to achieve results no matter where you are in your organizational structure. Interaction is key, and you'll have opportunities to share your ideas, comments, and questions. Listen to Stepping Stones to Everyday Success, live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. Welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio. This is Ken Smith, Certified Financial Planner, and I'm here in the studio with Eric Lair, our Director of Research. Today we're talking about uh, planning and saving for college. And uh, going into the previous break, I was we've been talking about 529 plans, all the different ways of saving, but 529 plans, or otherwise known as qualified tuition programs, um, and how they work. And what I was getting to was the discussion about 
you can change a beneficiary on those plans so if you want to set up a, a savings plan. Um, one of the nice parts that I didn't mention, Eric, about the, fi- the, the state-sponsored 529 versus, say, a Coverdell, um, is that the, the contribution limits are very high. It's not a few thousand a year. It's several hundred thousand total for many of the, the plans, for many of the state plans. So um, the amount that you can contribute should be um, cover a very substantial portion of the cost and in many cases uh, exceed that, which leads to the question, well, what if I have more money in that plan than I need for a particular beneficiary? And the IRS says, hey, well, you can roll that and change that to a, a different beneficiary as long as the beneficiary is a member of the beneficiary's family. And for, the, for, the, for those purposes, uh, the beneficiary's family includes the beneficiary's spouse and the other relatives, uh, the following other relatives, and I'm going to give you those, of the beneficiary. So not only um, their spouse, but it could be their son, their daughter, a stepchild, a foster child, adopted child, or any descendant of any of them, or just a kid next door. No, I'm, I'm kidding. That That is not, that not, is not, not part of the door. program. A brother, sister, stepbrother, or stepsister, father or mother or ancestor of either, stepfather or stepmother, son or daughter of a brother or sister, brother or sister of a father or mother, son-in-law, you think this is funny, son-in-law, daughter-in-law, father-in-law, mother-in-law, brother-in-law, or sister-in-law. That's a lot of in-laws. That's everybody but the kid next door. Yeah. That could be a rough, a rough um, time. The spouse of any individual listed above. So any of those people that I've listed here, that was one through eight. And, and Eric could even uh, be your first cousin. Oh. So, um, my second cousin's out of luck, though. That's right. So they give an example. When Aaron graduated from college last year, he had five thousand dollars left in his QTP. He wanted to give the money to his younger brother, who was in junior high school, in order to avoid paying tax on the distribution of the amount remaining in his account. Aaron contributed the same amount to his brother's QTP within 60 days of the distribution. If the rollover is to another QTP for the same beneficiary, only one rollover is allowed every 12 months. So that's a no. You have to be prepared um, of the previous transfer to any qualified tuition program for that beneficiary. Um, so... You can do that, and it's pretty flexible. So theoretically, you could be able to get that money um, to someone else and have them use it for all those pretty broad array of qualified educational expenses uh, without ever incurring the tax. And as I say, it's it's even if you did pay the tax, it's been deferred, and with the penalty, it's... Um, you know, it's it's not a, a huge because you get an additional. Like I said, you get the additional tax tax roll. Generally, you receive the tax roll taxable distribution. You must also pay a ten percent additional tax on the amount included in income. Um, but again, that amount has to do with the amount of gain that you had or the earnings in it. So that's it's not a horrible deal actually. And the other unique thing that that if you're in the higher net worth category that that uh, 
historically has been a benefit with these types of plans is that it it's transfers them out of your taxable estate. And you definitely would want to talk to your estate and tax uh, professional in your local area there, but that's been my general understanding um, across the board for these types of plans. So they make a, a pretty reasonable vehicle to include, at, at the very least, include uh, as one of the tools that you're saving for um, you know, in, in, into a particular plan. No, that, that's true, and I think the ability to, to roll and to transfer that is, is critical because uh, a question I've heard is, well, uh, what if I, my kid doesn't want to go to college, right? You, you don't know that when they're born. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fine. You can roll it over to their kids or some other family, a, a niece or a nephew. Uh, so you're not taking a huge risk. Yeah. Um, so what I thought we could turn the rest of this discussion to, Eric, is then, and you've done some work for our firm here on, uh, well, now we've we've got some building blocks. We know how much the tuition would be for various types of schools. Uh, I could approach that in a different way. I'm just we're just brainstorming here. We're throwing out ideas. You could say, "Hey, I'll put enough money away in in a in a plan, a qualified plan for a public college, and if they got into a private school, um, and and or we didn't receive any." Uh, they get into private school, and plus we don't receive any scholarship or any grant or any of that kind of stuff. Um, I'll fund the rest of that separately, or that'll be the part that the kid pays. Um, but I'll cover, I, I'm just, again, you do it any way you want, but I'm just throwing out ideas. I'll cover the cost of, as the parent, I'm going to put away enough to cover in-state tuition at a public college, and then Junior's going to figure out how to cover the rest if he gets into Harvard, if he has to borrow, bag or steal, or work, or Whatever he's got to do, um, <laughs> but um, I'm kidding. Hopefully, he wouldn't be stealing. Um, but that would be one idea. Or you could say, hey, "I'll fund the. Uh, I'll I'll put that amount in a qualified plan. I don't have a lot of other, all that long list of other beneficiaries, including my spouse and myself. None of that excites me. Um, so, chances are, if, if again, Junior doesn't use it. It's not going to get utilized by anyone, so I don't want to. I don't want to overfund this thing because I, I really don't want to pay on the growth, the ten, the income tax, and the ten percent penalty. So, again, one idea is you you put in a baseline amount and then you open up a regular account, fund that, uh, or use any combination of the custodial or the educational IRA or what whatever, fund those separately. I think the most control, again, would just be to set aside a different account in your name that you maintain complete control over for, again, people who are in a higher net worth, setting up trusts and other things can be options, um, but those do incur some illegal expense and some maintenance to typically um, manage those those types of uh, trust structures, but they're all very viable. It's just a function of how much money you want to put. Um but let's say we've got all that done, and now we're talking about how do we invest this, and and that's an issue, because um, if that's not done correctly, then you know, the tax savings for being in the qualified gets you know the benefit of that gets uh, minimized. Um, so one of the things, and I thought Eric, you've done some work on it. I, I mean, it's determining how much risk do you take. What type of investments would you use, and um, what factors 
really matter? You know, and how do I adjust that over the over the time horizon? Sure. Well, uh, first, if you don't mind, I'd like to talk a little bit about the two different types of plans you mentioned okay. earlier on. So you've got your uh, there in Washington. It's called a guaranteed education tuition plan, and they have similar plans around the country that are uh, your investment return is based on the uh, the growth in higher education costs. So, uh, for example, at the the GIT plan here in Washington, guaranteed education tuition, uh, you buy credits. You, you don't put your money into particular investments. You buy a number of credits. And the value of those credits will be determined by the cost of uh, the highest uh, tuition cost of, the, of a public school in the, or in the state of Washington, which is usually going to be at the University of Washington. All right. So the cost per credit. Um, so your return will be linked to higher education inflation. The other option, the more common option, uh, is the kind you mentioned earlier where you choose your, your own investments, whether that be uh, choose the individual funds that a 529 plan offers or you choose maybe one of their uh, age-based tracks where you say, okay, well, my... My kid's going to go to school in 18 years, so I want to pick the, the track that will essentially m- not mature, but will taper down to from aggressive to conservative assets over the next 18 years. Or you can just pick, sometimes they've got aggressive, moderate, conservative tracks that are, that are static through time, um, just depending on your risk preferences, that sort of thing. Uh, the, the reason for choosing one over the other, if you choose a guaranteed tuition-type plan, you're eliminating uh, investment risk for yourself, for your beneficiary. Uh, the problem with that is with most investment investing returns is you kind of get the return. Uh, your return a lot of the times is based on the risk you take. So if you eliminate that investment risk, you tend to lose a lot of your return potential. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really a preference thing, um, but if you were to choose an, uh, the type of plan that lets you pick your investments, um, you you certainly have the potential to get higher returns. Which, right. if you're looking at uh, a Harvard bill of six hundred thousand dollars, you know that's it's it, it's nice to at least have the the potential. To get some some serious returns on that. I mean, theoretically, if if tuition because of cost efficiencies held constant or even went down for a period of time because they've gone up at substantially above inflation rates over the last thirty years, uh, with the get you would have either a no a zero return or a negative return. That's uh, exactly but right. Again, you never had any risk though of being priced out of college by you know hey I didn't save enough because as I've been saving. All of a sudden, infl- expenses inflated at ten percent. I was originally thinking it would be three, right? So that's the cost-benefit factor. Sure. And the other side of the coin would be, well, what if I uh, I had invested in all equity-type funds and uh, my kid went to school in two thousand eight? But I think we have. We'll a- hold that thought. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, Ken and Eric here on in- Empirical Investing Radio. We'll be right back with our last segment. We're talking about college planning and saving for education. We'll be right back. 
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at EmpiricalFS.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait. They just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. Welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio. Ken Smith here, your host, sitting next to our director of research, Eric Lair. And uh, we are talking about saving for college and planning for education. And uh, before we finish up our last segment, Eric's going to talk a little bit about how to manage the investments and some of the work that he's done researching and designing um, a good model and methodology for the plans that we recommend. But uh, before we do that, if you want to contact us throughout the week and you'd love us to, or like us, I don't know if you're going to love it, but uh, I think Ethan would say you're going to love it. But if you would like us to take a look at what you're doing for college savings and help you calculate, I had mentioned there's lots of tools out there, but sometimes it's nice to have someone with the experience and the knowledge to help put those tools together uh, for you. We'd be happy to do that with uh, no fee or obligation to work with us as your advisor, but just because you're listening to the show, give us a call at 1-800-923-4307. Feel free to ask for Ken Smith. You can ask for Eric Lair or Ethan Broga. Uh, we've got a lot of advisors around here, but we'd be happy to, to help you, guide you through that process, take a look at what you um, are doing to save for education for your kids or grandkids, and share with you our best our best possible ideas on how to get where you're going. You could also shoot me an email directly, ksmith at empirical.net. Eric, do you want to give out your email? 
Sure. Uh, you can reach me at E-L-E-H-R at empirical.net. be great if you have any tough questions about uh, any of this. Shoot them over to Eric. I love those. Um, I like the easier ones. To just knock them down. But uh, all kidding aside, feel free to please do contact us. We'd love to help and uh, show our appreciation for listening. So, Eric, uh, why don't you go ahead and continue on? You've ex- done a good job explaining the difference between the guaranteed tuition programs and how the return is attached to the inflation of the tuition, and now you are going to contrast that with the um, the qualified tuition program that you select the different types of investments and the returns attached to the investments, not the not tuition. Sure. And I think with uh, with these types of plans, as with uh, with any type of investments, there, there are several things you look for. You want to see what's going to give you the best uh, investment package in terms of, of the options, in terms of the prices, the, uh, the management styles. And one great thing about 529 plans is that you are not uh, locked into your state's plan. Uh, each state has at least one, if not multiple plans. I know some states like... Uh, wow. Nevada, I think, has five different plans, and uh, you can invest in any state's plan. You can invest in multiple plans across multiple states if uh, that's what you like doing. Um, so you have a lot of flexibility. Uh, you can there can be certain tax benefits if you live in a ta- uh, state with state income tax. So lots of things to consider. Um, one of the, the things that we've done here at Empirical is we've gone through and looked at all these different state plans, and we, we've picked a couple that we think are um, among the best, uh, you know, based on their, their investment options, their pricing. Uh, and, again, as we mentioned, some of, some of, the, uh, of the states uh, only have things like uh, risk preference and age-based options. Some of them... Let you, you let you pick the individual investments out of a out of a range of funds. Like yeah. you mentioned, you, you can't go. It's not like a brokerage account. You can't go buy stocks and things. But but there will have they'll have mutual funds um, that you can you can use or, or ETFs you can use. Uh, and um, at our firm in particular, we we like to use some of the uh, Nevada plans, um, both. Vanguard and State Street have Nevada plans that we think give you a good range of options. We think the, the prices are, are among the best you're going to find. Um, and something that, that we, we do here for our clients or for anybody who's, who's curious and will call in is, is we'll give you uh, what we think are good recommendations uh, in terms of investments based on uh, how old the the beneficiary is, you know, when they're going to go to college, uh, your risk preference as an investor, things like that. Um, as I mentioned, many of the uh, many of, of the states have these age-based plans, where every year or every f- few years they'll they'll change the allocation to, be, to become more conservative. So you know, maybe at the start of the plan, when your kid's got 18 years before they're going to college, it's, it's all are very uh, heavily invested in equities, and maybe depending on the plan, small cap equities or emerging markets, depending, you know, on, on what's available. And then as you get closer and closer to uh, your your beneficiary turning 18, going to college, you get more first into fixed income bond-type funds and then eventually into essentially cash money markets. 
So a couple of things um, I wanted to point out, Eric, that I forgot to mention. How much you contribute in these? Well, it's generally, um, you know, the guidance from there is to say you're putting in the amount that is reasonable to cover those education expenses. But there's also a limit um, in terms of gifting from an estate tax perspective. And I think in 2013, you can you can gift to any person up to $14,000 a year without messing with your with your estate uh, lifetime exclusion or gift gift uh, estate tax. I keep getting those words mixed up. Um, but you can, without triggering any gift taxes, you can give to someone. Uh, and if you're a couple, right, you could do 14000 from each of you. Uh, or there's a special contribution rule that's gone, uh, been a, uh, in existence with five, these 529 plans, where you can put in uh, up to five years' worth of contributions at one time. So if you do do that, um, and I think it's, like I said, it's it's 14000 per person, so you could 14 times 5 times 2, I can get a pretty good pretty good clip in all at one time if you had that kind of cash laying around. Otherwise, if you're doing a monthly contribution, just be aware of the total amount or the total limit. I, I just wanted to get that in there from our previous discussion. Didn't mean to cut into the investing stuff, but I, I feel that I left someone in the lurch. Um, and you know, just a couple of things I, that I know you have pointed out, Eric, when you've developed our investment strategy. I mean, regardless of the limit or the expenses in the particular fund, some of the key elements that we look for, because there's a lot of ranking systems out there for plans, uh, they may not adhere to the same principles that we do. And last week we were talking about Eugene Fama winning a Nobel Prize for some of the research he's done. And part of that research we talked about was on how markets are efficient and people who have a, uh, at least a, a fundamental understanding and embracing that, which is becoming more and more popular as the empirical evidence is overwhelming, um, tend to lead towards diversified, more passive index-type funds. So when you're looking at a plan and, and you're selecting the investments, particularly when they do typically limit how many investments you can choose. Not if, if you were picking traditional stock, you can't go out and pick anything you want or the best of the best, if that's how you thought, you get limited to what the plan offers. So my preference, because of that limitation uh, alone, is separate from the whole Nobel Prize winning efficient market stuff, is that you tend to eliminate plans that don't offer a good uh, broad range of, of index or passively managed funds. And then taking that a further level to this Nobel Prize winning research, where do the returns come from? Well, we know in large part it comes from the way we design the asset allocation. And uh, we want to have as many tools to do that effectively and really optimize or maximize the return we get. So if it was just one index um, and it was large U.S. stocks, well, we're missing out on things like emerging markets, international markets, REITs, um, and, and those types of invest within those types of investment classes, small companies, and value companies. Those are all great building blocks. And so one of the reasons we like the plans that you'd mentioned, we utilize some of those uh, Nevada plans, is because the combination of the different types of plans that we're utilizing, we really get broad exposure to all those different asset classes. Right. So um, I, I do appreciate the work that you have done to make that available. And again, if you, we're, gonna, we're running out of time, but if you do want us to share more with you in person, Give us a call uh, throughout the week, 
Uh, I think we're, we're we're done with today's program, so please do that. Empirical investing, you can find us on empirical empirical.net is our webpage. And uh, thanks for tuning in today. Have a great Halloween, and uh, we'll we'll see you next week with Empirical Investing Radio. Thanks a lot, Eric. hope you've enjoyed Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. Please join us again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And for more information about Empirical Investing Radio, please call 800-923-4307. We'll see you next week.